Hello, my friends, and welcome to the triumphant return of the Kokoro Movement Podcast. On this episode, we have Dr. Stuart Galepsi. He is an osteopath, a chiropractor, and a functional medicine practitioner. I had the pleasure of learning from him and Dr. Perry Nicholson a few weeks ago for the Functional Health Systems course. It is a phenomenal course, and I highly recommend that you take it. The link to sign up is in the bio of my Instagram page. Please check it out. And without further ado, Dr. Stuart Galepsi. started and give people um, kind of your superhero background story. So just kind of, because you're a chiropractor, uh, osteopath, and a functional medicine doctor, correct? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much all this shebang, right? So, um, yeah, I, I first started out as an osteopath back in London uh, and did a couple of years of training over there. Uh, and uh, and then I came to, to New York uh, to, to study in America. Uh, well, first of all, I came, out, I came out there to try and try and be an osteopath in America, but I couldn't be one. So uh, I had to go back to school and start all over again. Uh, it's one of those sort of anti-British things that you guys have. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so I had a choice of either going to DO school in, uh, in in the U.S., and that was like five or six years long, or go to three years of, uh, of chiropractic school. And I definitely chose the shorter way because I, I was done with school at that point, and uh, I didn't want to go through it again. But uh but that's what I did. So I went through chiropractic school in New York and uh, did another three years of that, and uh, I started practicing practicing in New York after that. Um, had some great mentors along the way. In fact, my first my first job was in a, in a practice in Virginia with Dr. Berg, who sort of uh, does a lot of uh, work on sort of how hormones affect your body, and it was really more of a weight loss practice and a, and a hormone practice and. Uh, in a way of eating and dying exercise practice, much more than a chiropractic practice. So, uh, I had to sort of say my first job wasn't really chiropractic at all. It was just a fascinating, uh, look at sort of uh, how hormones affect the body. And that sort of got me on this whole, this whole trail of, uh, finding what inflammation does to our hormones, does to our immune system, and how it affects autoimmune disease. And so that's, that's where I am now. Yeah, that's really interesting because I think, uh, you know, because just following Dr. Perry, I think that you guys are on kind of the same path, which is amazing that you guys started this uh, functional health system together, but where you're just realizing that one modality doesn't fix everything. And then so just through just studying and figuring out all these different rabbit holes, you get to where what the underlying problem is that actually makes people better. And so that's um, one thing that I appreciated so much about this functional health systems course was that it was like kind of the final plug that I needed to make people better, and it was just everything that I needed to kind of tie my whole practice together. So let's. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So how, do you even do chiropractic work at all anymore? Is it just kind of uh, patient dependent, I mean, or? 
Yeah, maybe they, they, just in your time, I might, I might do an adjustment here and there, do some muscle work here and there. But, but essentially, my practice is now a virtual practice. I mean, I sort of pretty much get people better over the phone. Um, so, um, uh, and, and that's the way we go. And, and, and just going back to the weekend course we had in San Diego, it was a fascinating, great course. Uh, everyone was so into it, and uh, everyone was so open to sort of learning the new stuff. And, and it's right. I mean, we just basically... We forget the diagnosis. We forget the presenting problem. We don't even sort of focus on that. And, uh, and we sort of, because you never wake up with an autoimmune disease. You never wake up in a, with a chronic disease problem. There's always a process that got you there. Um, and so within this sort of presenting problem, everybody has a different way of getting to that end stage. Um, so you should always treat the process, never treat the diagnosis, never treat the disease. And so this is why it's pretty much we can open up our thinking, open up our our, our thoughts about to everybody because we all treat inflammation in some sort of way. So whether you're a personal trainer, massage therapist, chiropractor, MD, I mean, you're, you're treating inflammation, you're not treating diseases. So why not open it up to everybody? Everybody should have access to this inflammation. And so... Um, you can sort of treat them. Once you treat the underlying process, you can pretty much fix anything out there. Right, and then it doesn't specialize anybody. So once everybody has this information, then ultimately they start making more people better. So the more you spread this, the more people get better, and then the less disease we have all over the world. If we make it unattainable, this information, right, you have to have a certain degree or a certain title to get this information, or even for the patient, they may need a certain amount of money to get access to this sort of, uh, this sort of care. I mean, then it becomes just, uh, just the health care for the rich and just the health care for the sort of well-educated. And it's not about that at all, because it's not about your title, it's not about what you do, it's about what you bring to the table and what you're willing to learn and how you really apply this. And so it's about you in the end, it's about the practitioner and about what they bring to the table, not really that title. And this is why we love to open it up to everybody. And uh, no matter right. where you, what your background is, because everybody should learn now there's something that we're sort of teaching. So no, but a majority of the chiropractors or physios that I talked to, they all kind of had they all had like a sports background and then got injured and then that's somebody rehabilitated them and then that's why they started to choose their profession was because they wanted to provide that service for other people. So is that kind of where you came from or what yeah, kind of inspired you? Yes. I mean, uh, I was lost as a 20-year-old in that world. I was in doing life, to be honest. Um, and it wasn't until I was involved in a car accident. I was passionate in a car accident and uh uh, and I had a low back problem sort of a few days afterwards at Fred Art and uh, I didn't know who to go see and I just sort of opened up the yellow pages back then. We didn't have internet back then, we just had the yellow pages and found uh, an osteopath and just went down there and uh, had a fantastic treatment that I got from an osteopath in London. And uh, so I thought, and as soon as I had this treatment, I thought, yeah, this is kind of what I want to do. And so uh, I was never really that great in school either. And so, uh, uh, it, it, uh, once, but once I, was, I found this, this, this is what I wanted to do, I was like, all of a sudden started to get really smart. Um, right. uh, just to take a different purpose in life, and, uh, and, uh, and I just went there around, and uh, it was, it was uh, it's been great ever since. And to be honest, when I was a chiropractor, I actually had a, another injury. Another injury put me on the path to functional medicine because uh, I, I was serving in Delaware Beach one day, and I, I sort of took it in my shoulder while I was surfing, and uh, uh, and after that, I couldn't really practice for about sort of six months. I had a, you know, a, a 
core muscle and, and fractured humerus, and I couldn't actually practice as a classic chiropractor anymore. And so I'd always been fascinated by blood work and hormones and, and finding underlying causes. And so it got me into studying functional medicine back in like 2007, 2008, when nobody really had really heard of it back then. And, uh, uh, and I was one of the first ones to sort of jump on that bandwagon and sort of find out, uh, you know, how to scientifically test people for inflammation and, uh, uh, and, uh, and 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 it was actually two injuries that caught me here. Yes. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's really interesting because I wasn't really good at school either. I was just kind of going through the motions, trying to get through physical therapy school, and then I just couldn't make it because I couldn't understand why they were teaching me what they were teaching me. So like I didn't understand like why I would need to know about the women's reproductive cycle. I couldn't understand why I need to know about all this stuff. So, you know, and then I hit a roadblock in the math, like get to physics, and they're trying to talk to me about how finding the velocity of the hockey puck sliding without friction down the road is important, and it doesn't make sense to me, so I wasn't into it. But then I went back to massage school and then uh, started finding – all these different movement practices through dynamic neuromuscular stabilization and then kind of started going down all those rabbit holes and then found the nervous system and then through the nervous system found neurokinetic therapy and then through neurokinetic therapy I found Dr. Perry Nicholson and then I started following him and pretty much just do everything that that guy does because he just is out there to help people and that's it. And Mm -hmm. so his whole entire purpose is to help people and then spread his knowledge so that other people can help people more efficiently. And But, like, as you were saying, once you get fired up about something, then you're really into learning all of the mechanisms behind how people work and why they work a certain way. So now that I'm deep into it, I understand why I need to know about the women's reproductive cycle, like the fact that if they are having one, great. If not, then that's something that we need to look at because there's a whole underlying issue there. And then hormones and the paths that they take and, you know, cortisol is one that we talked about all weekend long. That's really important. And then I have a lot of people that are uh, chronic stress because they're first responders. And then so they're just not getting better. And I couldn't figure out why. And like I said, this course is just uh, plugs the hole that I had in my understanding in order to help these people more effectively. That's great. That's great. I mean, and, you know, and once you start getting into this and once you start noticing these patterns in patients, I mean, what's great about, about what you guys do is that you're on the front lines of this. I mean, you're sort of seeing these patients every single, you know, every single day and you get your hands on people. You spend an hour long with people and you ask the right questions. I mean, so you're in the perfect, perfect sort of scenario where you can sort of learn as much about your patient. I mean, think about, what happens with, with, you know, women with menstrual problems? They go to their MDs, they have a five-minute conversation, they fill out a few forms, they get thrown a couple of medications, and that's and you're on your way. Um, right. So there's very little discovery work going on. We've, we've lost that intuitive sense. I mean, doctors, even chiropractors, even, you know, a lot of us have lost that in, in the health world, have lost the intuitive sense. We sort of test first rather than sort of um, really sort of, you know, look at people, look at people's eyes and tongues and mouths and lips and sort of find out what's really, really, really going on with their systems. Um, and so we, we quite often just test for us, go by the numbers, and then just fill the numbers up if their numbers are low. Uh, and it's not really sort of what we're sort of teaching on the course. It's, 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 it's not really teaching that. We're sort of, everybody who, who, who 
the pathways for chronic disease or some sort of autoimmune disease or even cancer has had stress at some point. And so you're right, you're dealing with stress all the time. And so what happens to that person under stress is what you should be looking at and what you should be looking for. And everyone is different. And so you won't treat chronic fatigue syndrome the same way. You can treat hormone issues the same way when you start sort of having a conversation or engaging with that patient's body, that patient's, you know, aura, and find out what is stress to this, doing to this person. Um, and it's what, that's what you kind of reverse engineer as opposed to sort of, you know, trying to fix a chronic fatigue syndrome or trying to fix a fibromyalgia. I mean, that's what they come in with, but it's not the reason, right. it's not the underlying reason why they have that problem. So, um, right. but it's always stress, but what is stress, what is stress doing to your immune system? And there's a couple of ways that you can react. I and mean, then we learned about that at the weekend. Is you, is not, not everybody has the same immune system. Not everybody has the same digestive system. Um, everybody has the same hormonal system. And so, um, it's, it's really easy to sort of ask the right questions and tap into that, of those systems and find out what's going on. Um, rather than sort of send everybody out for these expensive tests and then throw everyone in a bunch of supplements, which may be working or may not be working. Right. right. So, um, so this is, this is, this is a sort of, Secrets that you that, that you learn on the weekend and uh, through our years of experience and sort of um, us trying to get people better as quickly as we possibly can. And so right. we're not looking for fixes that take six months, nine months to a year. We're looking for sort of changes that we can make within sort of five to seven days. That's what we're looking for. If we haven't sort of made those changes quickly, then we know we're on the wrong, we're, we're, we're fixing the wrong issue or we've missed something. Well, and that's what kind of sells people, right? Because everybody's used to this, new model that we've that we just discussed so they're used to being like these are my problems so you know one of my friends has um, uh, rheumatoid arthritis cool here's a medication for that and then so you know i saw a i saw something on instagram somewhere that said if you have to refill your prescription then it's not working and so now i've been looking at people like that and the that's the thing that i love the most about that course is it's applicable almost immediately like, even during the course, while you were explaining stuff, I was able to start texting problem clients that I've had and start giving them different protocols to make them feel better, like, mm -hmm. as you were explaining it, because you guys had figured out how to explain it in such a dialed-in way to where it just makes sense to, you know, even the, the layman person. And so, yeah, I just, that was really incredible, the amount of information that I was able to just process and immediately apply. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it can be a lot of information, but as you say, we sort of, we, we make things too complex these days, right? So it's, our bodies are fairly simple as long as you engage in the right conversation with that person and you can sort of uh, really sort of see certain patterns in people in their immune system, see patterns in their hormone system, patterns in their digestive system under stress. And you look for those patterns that people go through because they're going to go through the same patterns every single time they get an infection, every single time right. they go through an emotional trauma, every single time they have a car accident or they sort of over-exercise, they're going to go through the same sort of pattern of, 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 of dysfunction. Uh, and so you treat those patterns of dysfunction, you look for the right clues, you ask the right questions and fix those. Um, and uh, once you fix something and once you hit the underlying root cause, you make changes instantly. And so this is what, this is what we're trying to teach in those in that weekend. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's amazing. And then, uh, so you, you mentioned something that I wanted to talk about over exercising. And mm -hmm. so that is, um, kind of how I started as an athlete. So, you know, I was grossly overweight, 
um, freshly divorced, uh, very unhealthy, smoking cigarettes, drinking alcohol, and one day just had, you know, the the enlightenment moment that I need to get in shape. So then I uh, chose uh, mixed martial arts as a form of getting back in shape and also to confront one of my biggest fears, which is confrontation. But then that's, you know, four to six hours of training a day, depending, because you're tra- practicing so many martial arts disciplines. And then I moved from that into CrossFit and still had that competitive bug. So then I started doing competitive CrossFit. And then that's three to four hours of training a day. And so that is what I have been trying to explain to a lot of the athletes in the CrossFit gym that I coach at is that CrossFit is a stressor. And so you need to pay attention to what's going on in your life. So if you're not performing well, then are you eating well? Did you have a couple hard days at work? Especially like first responders, after they get off of 48 hours of working and doing nonstop calls, should they even be doing CrossFit at all or should they be doing like a two-hour hike in the woods to kind of, you know, down-regulate their nervous system? And it's just really difficult for people to kind of get on board with that. Very much so, very much so. And because, you know, if you are say something in their 20s who's doing CrossFit five times a week, am I really out of exercise? They're going to, they're going to look at you like you have two heads. I mean, they're young, they're sort of virile, they've got tons of hormones flying around, got lots of energy, uh, and so they can do this until eventually in their 35s and their 40-year-olds, they're going to start to crash and sort of all of a sudden they can't figure out why they're in the situation that they're in. They have chronic fatigue and start getting sort of pain all over the body and due to any different conditions. You're absolutely right. So, But also there's the other kind who sort of, when they over-exercise, they start to get allergies. They start to sniffle and they start to sort of wonder why they sort of gain weight when they exercise and they should be losing weight and they start to retain water and they can't figure out why they can't retain what uh, why they're retaining water and why they can't get rid of the sort of flab around their tummies and you know for some people who work 20 minutes a day that could be over exercise and for some people who work two hours a day that could be over exercise and so again it's 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 always person dependent about who's over who's over exercise and who's not but what you're looking for when someone over exercises is what happens to them when they over exercise right so do they start breaking their bodies down? Do they start getting recurrent injuries? Do they start getting sick a lot when they sort of exercise? And that's what will sort of clue you into what type of immune system they have. There's the other kind of people who are going to get very allergic and they're going to come out of the gym, they start to start to sniffle and they start to get allergies to things and they can't figure out why they're getting allergies to certain things. Again, that's another part of an immune system that you can fix fairly easily as long as you know what type of immune system they have. So. Um, most of the time, people, when they over-exercise, they start to break their body down, especially, as you say, that for, you know, uh, these guys who are sort of constantly working all the time under stressful jobs and stressful conditions. They do overproduce cortisol, and cortisol is really good in the short term. It's your anti-inflammatory. It prevents pain after exercise. But if you have it, for, if you have it elevated for too long, you're going to start breaking the body down. And uh, cortisol is very catabolic, and it loves protein structures and so it's going to start breaking down your ligaments your tendons your muscles your joints your hair your skin your nails even the lining of your gut which is basically a whole protein layer of the lining of the gut and so um, this is what cortisol does it loves protein so you have to sort of one know what your body's doing under stress and then find out ways that you can or things that you can take to prevent that stress because a lot of the time you can't take away that stress you know you're not going to take away someone's stressful job stressful life Someone will want to work, you know, you know, two hours in the gym. Someone will want to do CrossFit training. Some people will want to run marathons. 
And so once you figure out what that body does when they overexercise, that's how you can sort of figure out preventive ways to stop them from breaking their body down or to stop them from getting allergies when they go under stress. And that's, that's what we teach. That's what we sort of show you sort of what to look for. Right. So I want to uh, talk about the, the gut-brain axis because I've been learning about this a little bit off and on over the last couple of years, and you guys cover it um, a little bit in the course also. So um, let's talk about that a little bit because you mentioned that, you know, cortisol being catabolic, it starts to break down the proteins, especially just the lining of the gut and how your inflammation isn't just in the gut when that happens and how it kind of goes throughout your body and even up into your brain. Yes, very much so, very much so. And so um, one of the questions we, te- we teach our, you know, our clients to sort of ask their patients is basically, do you, do you have what's called delayed onset allergies? Have you started to get allergies to things you never used to get allergies before? Um, and so these are sort of patients who go throughout their life and their kids and they don't have any allergies, no seasonal stuff, and all of a sudden in their 20s and their 30s, they start to get allergies to things they never had allergies before. All right, so it's not that they sort of have an inherent allergy to something. It's basically because they've gone through a very stressful sort of period of time, maybe had some infections, maybe had some emotional stresses, some sort of breakups, some family issues, you know, that kind of thing. And that high cortisol or overexercise, and they start to wear down the lining of the gut because it's a protein structure. Cortisol loves protein. So um, all of a sudden, they start these things, you start to get what's called a leaky gut syndrome. And so um, you start sort of leaking things through the gut that shouldn't be there. And your gut barrier is basically the separation between what you eat and your immune system. Your immune system is primarily housed in the gut. And so all of a sudden, what you're eating is starting to flare off the immune system. Um, now, with the gut-brain axis, what happens in the gut happens in the brain. And this is really from – this is we're going to go into a little bit of embryology here because I studied embryology as an osteopath, and what we know in embryology is, is the, the same layer that produces your brain is the same layer that produces your nervous system in the gut. Um, and so this is why they say the gut is your second brain because it's from the same layer of your embryo that you're, that you're born with. And so you have the direct connection in the gut brain already um, you know, as you're growing up. And so then you have sort of other cranial nerves from the brain that sort of link to the gut like the vagus nerve. So you have a lot of afferent and efferent pathways to the brain and, and, you know, and to the gut and then back to the brain again. And so that's pretty much what you're sort of looking for is, is, is that vagus nerve sort of um, that's neurosensory sort of feedback from the gut to the brain. And so... If you're looking for, if you're looking to try and get better, if you have patients with anxiety, if you have patients with sort of depression and, and, and ADHD, if you're not looking at the gut and if you're not looking at the immune system, then you're not really sort of treating the underlying problem of most people's, most people's brain issues because they're most of the time in the gut or it always starts in the gut before it hits the brain. Um, and one is through that vagus nerve. The other channel is through blood. Um, they start to produce lots of inflammatory cells uh, under stress. Our immune system produces inflammatory cells, um, and so these inflammatory cells travel through, you know, you know travel through the blood and travel all, all over the body. Um, 10, 15, 20 years ago, we didn't think that anything that happened outside the brain could affect the brain. We had something called the blood-brain barrier that was could never be penetrated, could never sort of uh, be penetrated by anything outside the brain. So the brain was always protected from what from inflammation in the body. 
we now know that's not true. We now know that that, that blood-brain barrier could be get just as leaky as a gut-brain barrier. And so okay. all of a sudden, over time, these inflammatory cells that travel in the blood start to wear down, start to wear down the blood-brain barrier. And so, and so inflammatory immune cells start to get into the brain. And so inflammation that's happening in the gut, inflammation that's happening in the immune system starts to affect the brain after a while. This is when you start getting neurodegenerative diseases like MS, Parkinson's, um, Alzheimer's, ADHD, autism, all of these things usually are coming from an inflammation that's happening somewhere else in the body. Trouble is, we treat the brain rather than treating the gut. And so, um, well, that's, that's what we do the majority of the time these days. But, it's, uh, but a lot of sort of forward-thinking practitioners now are starting to look elsewhere, look outside the brain, and deal with inflammation as opposed to dealing with an MS or an Alzheimer's or an ADHD. Correct. So then, you know, that could be causing, like, migraines. Could that potentially be causing, like, seizures and stuff like that? Absolutely, yes. I mean, seizures is an inflammatory disorder. Uh, seizures is, is, is inflammation usually happening in the gut, which has crossed the blood-brain barrier and is now sort of inflammation of the brain. And it's a particular type of inflammation. So remember, not all inflammation is the same, and not right. all inflammation presents the same in people. And so they have a different – people have different inflammatory responses. Uh, and uh, and autism or sorry uh, seizure are particular into inflammatory responses like Parkinson's is a particular inflammatory response even migraines is a particular inflammatory response and and uh, and so this is what your if you ask a set of questions that we teach on the course you can sort of start to narrow down and find out where this problem is coming from right and like I said as you guys were explaining it I was thinking of clients that I've had where I'm just like oh my god that person oh my god that person so <laughs> you know like I said it's just immediately applicable which is just uh one of the best parts about it um and so the way that i've been explaining uh inflammation to people especially in the brain is you know perry has this it's a a photo of a clean fish tank and a dirty fish tank and you know when i show them the dirty fish tank they're like oh that's what my brain looks like which is why i have brain fog and why i'm not thinking clearly or i'm being forgetful or I'm having migraines or headaches or, you know, this it all starts to make sense because you're, nothing can work appropriately in that environment. Correct, correct. And, right. um, and, then, and then you, you always go ask yourself why. So uh, the reason why you're always looking for something, I mean, I'm always changing the way I look at things almost every year because you always have to look at why, you always have to look at the latest research that comes through. We're looking at things in a much with a different pair of eyes than we used to look at things five years ago. And you have to sort of go along with the sort of the, the research and stuff like that. And so if you're treating the same way you did five years ago, you, you really got to move on and find out, find out what else you can do and what else, what else, more things you should be learning. But I started to ask myself, well, you know, inflammation of the brain. Why do some people get anxiety when they get inflammation of the brain? Why do some people go depressed when they go and get the inflammation of the brain? Brain. Why do some people start breaking their brains down, like in Alzheimer's and MS and in Parkinson's? So there's there's reasons why each person has a different inflammatory response in the brain, and uh, and so you have to look at what inflammatory cells you're producing to figure out what's how someone's going to react when they start getting inflammation in the brain. And we didn't touch on that a lot in the course, but um, but but it's certainly something we might be introducing in our, in Arizona when we get there in January. Right. So that's. Yeah, that's really interesting. So then that brings up, you know, why it's okay to be taking courses over and over again. And, 
you know, so that's a big thing that, because I've only been practicing for about three and a half years now, so then I feel like I shouldn't revisit books because I already read them, or I feel like I shouldn't take courses because I've already taken them. But this is why it's so valuable, especially with, like, you and Perry, because you guys are so far ahead of the curve, and you're always constantly learning, and you're always figuring out new things and and just kind of at the forefront of this knowledge to where if I take the course again a year, uh, two years from now, it'll be a completely different course from the one that we took just a couple of weeks ago. It will be. It will be because we're learning stuff as, every, as, as we're learning stuff in the research. I mean, we're sort of studying the research articles and see what's coming out these days. And, you know, don't forget, we didn't realize there was a gut-brain axis until about 10 years ago. You know, 2008 right. was when we first heard about the gut-brain axis. And so this is all recent stuff. This is all things that changed in the last 10 years. And you're getting articles every single day now about sort of articles about the gut microbiome and how it affects hormones and how it affects the skin and how it affects the brain, uh, all these methylation genes and how it affects the, the liver and how it affects the brain. It's, it's, it's all this stuff coming out all the time. And so, yes, we're on top of it. Um, but we, you know, we, I only ever teach something that I know works, you know, and so, and I always, I, like you said, with the, you know, going to school for four years and learning stuff that you're never ever going to sort of, you know, put into practice. Um, that's the last thing I want to do. And, uh, I think it came from the very fact I went through the, I had to go through a a degree twice, you know, because, um, the second time around, I just thought, I don't need to know that, don't need to know that. I started teaching actually other students in my class who had gone, who were just going through the program the first time. Um, and so this is how, how I was able to teach them that I, you only need to know this stuff. This is the most important stuff. This is the stuff you can apply from day one. This is the stuff that makes sense. This is the stuff that is really going to help you. As you say, this stuff we're learning about physics and levers and algebra and, and Latin and, and embryology. You don't really need to know that. The patient's not looking for that. They just right. want to know what works, what gets me better uh, quickly, you know, and, and effectively. Right. And also sometimes gently too because a lot of people that you see in these chronic conditions, they, they can't be sort of rushed through some of these things, but they want to see changes fairly quickly, but they just cannot be rushed. And so we always give out protocols which are, are, are simple but effective. You're not, you're not walking out with like two bags of supplements and, and, and having to sort of wait for six months before you see a turnaround. This, this, that's not how we teach things. Right. And so, you know, I've been having this debate a couple of different times on the podcast with different people, but, and, you know, Sometimes things work for some people and sometimes they don't. So, like, there's the traditional kind of chiropractic model where you go in, see the chiropractor, you adjust you the same way every time no matter what, and then he leaves. And then, you know, come see me three times a week indefinitely and you'll get better. You know, but for me, um, when I took uh, one of my first education courses, I met a chiropractor that did muscle testing on me for an hour figured out all kinds of different muscle corrections and then adjusted one vertebrae. And that was the first time that that's ever happened. And I was just sitting there for like an hour being like, what just happened? Why isn't anybody else doing this? Like, and then I start looking at it like how, if you're just, you know, cracking somebody, how do you know if that's making a difference in their body if you're not spending time with that person? You know, and it's, it's so, but then it does work for some people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So whatever works for whoever. But I think that you guys are are really onto something and kind of leading the charge there. Because I um, asked, uh, I was at uh, Dr. Perry's Primal Movement Chains a couple months ago, and one of my classmates asked him, like, how do we 
change the medical industry for the better. And he said, start with the outliers and work your way in. And so I think that that's what you guys are doing right now. And I think that that's just uh, an incredible endeavor. Yep. And, and you touched upon it before when you talked about medications and and, uh, and quite often, we, you know, you increase the dosage of a medication if it's not working or if it works in the short term and then all of a sudden it starts to wear off. Well, because it worked in the short term, it must be the right thing for you. Let's increase the dosage and increase the dosage time and time again. And so if I'm finding I'm, I'm increasing, uh, increasing dosage or anything or increasing supplements of anything, I know I'm on the wrong thing or right. Uh, I just know I'm not treating the right thing, and then I go back to the drawing board and find out what I missed and, uh, and find out what's going on. And so no one should ever be on supplements for longer than four or five weeks um, un- unless you're treating the wrong thing. And, uh, and, so, and so this is this is, this is is how we sort of – this is what we like to sort of put out there and what we like to teach and uh, teaching the most effective but, uh, but the right stuff as opposed to just throwing the kitchen sink at someone and hoping one thing will work. Right. So, you know, I have uh, one client in mind who – you know, she came to me from with low back pain, and she had low back pain before. And you know, one of their uh, one of the things that they did to her was burn all the nerves in her low back. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the nervous system finds a way to feel pain, and then so all that pain came back. And then their next option was to um, um, put a stem, surgically implant a stem machine mm-hmm. into her low back, so that it's constantly sending electrical signals to the spine to interrupt that pain signal. And then, you know, as you know, the, the nervous system adapts to that. And then so every year she would have to go and get the volume turned up on that until that failed. And then their next option was to just burn the nerves again. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I'm at, where I'm just like, what are you even, what are you talking about? Like, let's figure out what the actual problem is, because that's not the problem. The nerves aren't the problem. And it's exactly. just so weird to me that there's just treatments out there. But, you know, like I said, that's... The, there's just other ways, but the, the people I don't think are aware of functional medicine or naturopathic medicine just because it's not as prominent in the world as it is today. Yes, it's expanding really rapidly. It's expanding right. very quickly. People are looking for it. People are sort of realizing that what they're doing for such a long time hasn't worked, and people are looking for alternatives. They're starting to eat better. They're sort of re- reading the research articles, and patients are becoming educated because Let's face it, they'll go and see their doctors, they'll be told they're normal because their blood work always comes back normal, right? So you're told they're normal, but they know there's something, patients know there's something wrong with them. This is why you have to engage in a conversation with the patient because they know what's best about their condition, all right? Yeah. And, so, and, and so blood work comes back normal, all right? This problem's not in the blood. Let's find out where, where else could it be. Is it in the immune system? Is it in the hormone system? Is it in the digestive system? Those are sort of things that you're sort of looking for. Um, but uh, but it, you have to you have to explore. You always have to ask why, and you always always have to go a little bit deeper. Yeah, and so you know, just trying to educate people that pain is just a signal that there's something wrong. It's just not that might not be what the problem is. So like you know, the, more often than not, people come in with knee pain, and mm-hmm. you know, through the neurokinetic therapy, I'm just able to adequately show them that. It's not the knee that's in pain, it's just an imbalance somewhere else. And if we figure that out and it goes away right away, great. If not, then we need to figure out something else. And then if it's been chronic for a long time, then we need to start looking, like you said, for inflammation. Where is it coming from? Why is it there? And so just the one of my favorite 
sayings is that questions solve problems. So the more questions you ask, the more problems you solve, and the more you narrow it down to what's actually going on. Correct, correct. As long as you ask the right questions, right? So, you know, sometimes we ask the wrong question over and over again. And, uh, right. But, uh, but it's like, like as you say, I mean, if someone's having pain for longer than six weeks and they're seeing you three times a week for six weeks and they haven't got any better, then you should be sort of asking yourself, what is going on? What else is going on? Is it right. someone, has this person coming with Hashimoto's? Is this person coming with allergies that they haven't really sort of told you about because all they want is their knee pain fixed, right? So, right. As normal, we always go to the site of pain and think, okay, it must be at the site of pain. But when you start asking questions, say, have you started getting allergies and stuff like that? And they say, yes, how do you know that? And all of a sudden, you can sort of equate their allergic immune system with the pain that they're feeling in their knee. And all of a sudden, you treat their allergic immune system rather than their knee and they get better. Not only do you take away their allergies, but you take away their knee pain at the same time. All right, so it's, that's the great thing about treating root causes of problems that you can fix multiple problems at the same time just by fixing one thing. Uh, uh, rather than sort of fixing symptoms all the time and sort of chasing them all over the body until you sort of uh, uh, sort of chasing your tail a little bit sometimes. Right. And so how long have you guys been discussing this class together? Because I know that both you guys are really busy, right? So, mm-hmm. like, how long, like, were you guys just talking about, about it off and on? Because I know that Perry's been working with you for a while. So Yeah. I mean, we were only met actually about a year and a half ago, Karen. We met in the cold, damp weekend in London, learning some uh, learning some course in London that we actually sort of met. And um, uh, and uh, so I, I guess we've been talking about this for about a year and a half now. And um, you know, he finally came to me. Uh, he sort of knew that I sort of uh, did a bit about you know did a lot of stuff in inflammation, did a lot of stuff with autoimmune disease, and he's been suffering himself. And so we sort of had a conversation. And uh, I realized that for his particular type of immune system, for his particular type of immune problem, he was doing all the wrong stuff. He was taking all the wrong foods, taking all the wrong supplements, doing all the wrong exercise problems for his particular type of immune issue. Uh, And so we ended up taking a lot of things away from him, as opposed to sort of throwing more things at him. And so sometimes you have to take some things away in order to get better. So there's something that you're doing that's making you worse. Um, and so we did that. We sort of took a few things out of his diet um, that he was sort of making him worse, and we sort of introduced a couple of two or three more things into his, his program. Um, and then within about sort of seven days, his brain fog went away. Within about sort of you know ten days, his his his, his allergies was going away, and his sort of swelling, and his, he was losing sort of weight like really quickly, about ten pounds in about fifteen days, and it was all sort of inflammation weight. It wasn't really a sort of um, a fat weight or, or anything like that. It was more inflammation and water retention. And he was losing that really quickly. Um, and he was so impressed by it, he sort of said, Stu, we've got to get this out there. And uh, and so we combined our efforts. I mean, I'm sort of, I sort of do what I do with the sort of, uh, with the physiology of people. And he sort of does his wondrous stuff that he does with his, his, with his movement, his movement hacks and his sort of amazing movement techniques that he does. And we thought, let's combine these two because let's face it, movement, touch and, 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 and how you move and how your organs move, how your body moves has a direct correlation to how you think emotionally and how your immune system is working and how your hormone system is working and how your digestive system is working. It's all interconnected. And so we thought it wouldn't be cool that nobody else is really sort of combining sort of movement and, and, and functional medicine at the same time. And so I guess we've been talking about this maybe sort of six months or so we, 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 we thought we might be doing this for. And so the, and, uh, the course two weeks ago in San Diego was the first time we sort of introduced it. Um, and now all of a sudden we have about six courses 
lined up for the next in the next six months and uh, traveling to Australia and traveling to Singapore and then coming back to the U.S. and doing some more courses in the U.S. and so uh, it's really taken off. People are loving this information, um, and, uh, and it doesn't matter what sort of title you have. You can be a D.C. osteopath, chiropractor. You can be a sort of personal trainer, massage therapist. Everyone's going to learn how to calm down inflammation in the body, which is the underlying route to everything out there from muscle pain to ligament pain to sort of autoimmune disease. Um, it's all about calming down inflammation and knowing what type of inflammation you have. Yeah, it's like, you know, I keep saying and, and singing my praises and it's, uh, you know, I'm definitely a couple of weeks out and I've been practicing quite a bit with a lot of the clientele that I have. And, you know, like I, I can't say enough good things about it. Like I, I've had a pretty good understanding of what I was doing, but there was just that one piece that was missing and you guys just slid it right in there and it's just, you know, really yep. good. And I'm, you know, really interested to see how this course evolves from here on out because, you know, like I said, like we alluded to earlier, you guys are both learning at an exponential rate. And so just always adding new things and when what works and what doesn't, you know, finding Great. the flow. And, Sorry. No, go ahead. And the greatest thing is that you don't have to be afraid of, of diseases anymore. You don't have to be afraid. I mean, you're sort of looking at clients with rheumatoid arthritis, right? And you're not treating rheumatoid arthritis, but you're treating the underlying process that got them there. Uh, and it's always a historical, there's something in their history that gave them this rheumatoid arthritis. It doesn't just happen overnight. And so right. you don't have to be afraid of this stuff anymore. You don't have to be afraid, oh, my God, that, that's, a, that's a disease. I can't really go in and treat that. That's something from the medical field. That's something from the functional medicine world. It's incorrect because that disease isn't what they have. And they're not, yeah. The patient is not the disease. It's the underlying process that got them there. And you guys can, can get your hands on that and treat that every single day of the week. And uh, you should be because these guys aren't getting any other treatments from medical doctors. I mean, autoimmune disease is seen as, as untreatable. Autoimmune disease is seen as something we don't know where that came from. Uh, you have a genetic history, and therefore it's, it's, you have to blame the parents. But it's not, we don't, we know it's not that anymore. In about 80% of cases, chronic diseases is a change in your digestive system, a change in your immune system, a change in your hormone system that happened uh, a long time ago. And because it's been misdiagnosed or because it's been ignored, because it's been mistreated, it's developed into an inflammatory problem down the road, which has become bigger and bigger and bigger until eventually you get diagnosed with something because all of a sudden you're no, long, no longer normal in your blood work. All of a sudden something's shown up in your blood work, usually a thyroid problem, usually a high cholesterol, or usually a diabetic issue, but it's never that. It's always what happened first is what you should be looking at, looking at the underlying process. And so, so interesting. Let's talk about, um, you know, because like I said, I have a friend of mine who has rheumatoid arthritis. So, like, how do we convince them that they're okay again and that they no longer need to be on the medication once we get them on the supplementation, they're starting to feel better? Because I think that that's a big kind of underlying fear is, like, once a, they kind of get married to their diagnosis a little bit, and then B, like, they feel as though they're just going to have to take this medication indefinitely because that's what the doctors have told them. Yeah. So we never play around with medications. We never sort of take people off medications or sort of, or, or sort of, only doctors can advise on that and uh, that should be in their realm completely. Um, and so when it comes to supplementation, again, I mean, 
I always sort of put on like either a 14-day program or a 30-day program of a particular protocol. I focus on things much more clearly as opposed to sort of trying tons of supplements and supplements and trying to fix everything at the same time. So I always go back in the history, find out what the initial insult is. Everything after that initial insult is a symptom of that initial insult. So once you figure out what that initial insult is, that's what you go after. And this is why you can only give out two or three things at the same time. Um, and that way, you can sort of see how they're doing over a 14-day period, see how they do over a 30-day period. Um, and then that's when you can sort of maybe adjust them or you can take them off supplements. I, I rarely sort of keep people on supplements for a very long time, more than five or six weeks. Um, there are some maintenance stuff that you can do uh, that, that you sort of do daily, which you should be doing daily, things like essential oils, things like some minerals that you can do in your diet, collagen, if you have a very catabolic, stressful cortisol system in, you know, and maybe you should be taking proteins every single day in order to sort of combat the sort of, you know, catabolic nature of your immune system. And so you might have to take something on a daily basis just to maintain things. Um, but, you know, this stuff is healthy stuff anyway, so you should be taking right. it daily anyway. So, um, but in terms of like certain supplements, you know, five or six weeks uh, is, is what you're looking at to sort of put these people on supplements for, and then you reassess them after that, see how they're doing. Uh, right. uh, and then... And then I would send them back to their doctor to re- have their doctor reevaluate them and see where they're at. And then so yeah, then it would be up to the doctor whether they stay on the medication or not. Exactly. From a, from a medication point of view, yeah, send them back to the doctors and see what the doctors feel after that. You know, so, um, you know, and most of the time doctors are very surprised at the numbers. People, are, doctors are very surprised at how well patients are doing with their numbers and uh, it's usually not as a result of the medication, it's usually as a result of the dietary and lifestyle changes that you put into place um, and uh, that, that's what usually happens. Interesting. So, um, and I wanted to touch on uh, something real quick that surprised me is, um, you know, the, the the world has kind of been taken by storm by gut health, right? So it doesn't mean just because you're Trying to get a healthier gut doesn't mean that you should be taking uh, the probiotics, right? So it kind of depends on which immune system that you have. Um, But there's some people where if you, uh, depending on what your symptoms are, if you start to take probiotics, it can almost make you worse. Is that correct? That's that's correct. In in fact, any supplement can make you worse, you know. So Right. um, Yeah, so this is why I sort of, um, you know, when when I sort of see patients and sort of look at a list of medications or look at a list of supplements and see what they're doing, uh, see what probiotics they're taking. Sometimes they're taking the wrong stuff for their particular gut health or their particular immune system. Um, this is why you'll find articles like coffee makes you worse, coffee makes you better, green tea makes you worse, green tea makes you better, probiotics makes you worse, probiotics makes you better. There's, there's, there's a reason why those articles keep coming out and everyone gets confused. Should I be taking this? Should I be taking this? Right? And so right. it all depends. It depends on your particular immune health and your particular gut health. And so Someone who has a leaky gut syndrome and therefore, um, uh, you know, uh, and it's affecting their immune system. Supplements have a direct effect on your immune system, or certain supplements do. Things like medicinal mushrooms, things like green tea and stuff like that. So you have to be sort of very careful and find out what type of immune system do they have first before you sort of put them on certain supplements. Um, in terms of probiotics, 
a lot of probiotics are very sort of yeast generating. They sort of uh, generate a lot of yeast in the tummy. And so if you're finding that when you take probiotics, you get a little bloated after taking them or you feel a little bit nauseous after them, um, then you have to start looking at is there something in the digestive system that's feeding off these probiotics? Do you have a candida type of situation which is a yeast? And so if you're adding yeast to a yeast problem, then you are going to have issues with probiotics. There's no doubt about that. And so one of the questions you're going to ask from your patients is how do well do you do on probiotics? And yeah. sometimes they'll, you know, they'll answer, I don't know. And so you might have to double a little bit deeper. Like sort of typical candida questions might be, do you crave sugar? And they'll say, yes, I crave sugar up the wazoo. Do you start itching yourself first thing in the morning? Do you have a white-coated tongue? So you start looking at the patient's tongue and sort of see if they have a white-coated yeast on that. Those are sort of things when you're thinking to yourself, they wouldn't do very well with kombucha tea. They wouldn't do very well with kefir. They wouldn't do very well with probiotics. Um, And so this is how you can't just throw gut supplements at a gut problem. You have to find out what does this person have? What are they going through? What do they do under stress? Then you figure out um, what supplements or what sort of lifestyle or what sort of gut gut intervention you should do for them, not not just throw the same protocol at the same problem, you know. Right, so that's kind of the same thing as the diets, right? Because there's all kinds of diets out there right now, especially the keto diet's the new fad. Or, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the CrossFit space, it was like paleo diet or uh, the zone diet. But, you know, the, and the diet is actually very individual too, right? So uh, let's kind of uh, touch on that just a little bit. We don't have to go too in-depth about it, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, some people need keto, some people need paleo, and, you know, just... Uh, let's uh, expound on that a little bit. Yes, I mean, the majority of the time that you meet someone, diet and exercise isn't, the the, the, the problem has gone too far for, to, to, to be fixed by just diet and exercise. Yeah. So, um, fix the inflammation first, and then any type of diet and exercise they do is going to work, right? Um, and so, always look at inflammation before you start changing sort of diet and exercise. Find out what inflammatory processes they have going on and fix those first. And then you can sort of implement uh, any sort of diet and exercise program uh, to, to fix that. But you're right. I mean, you know, should someone do a keto diet? Should someone do a paleo diet? Should someone actually add carbs into their situation? Should someone do a high carb diet in, 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 in certain situations? And, and in fact, that, that's that's correct. Um, and the research sort of says is that you know, if you fast or if you do a sort of intermittent fasting, you are going to stimulate a certain part of the immune system if you do, if you do an intermittent fasting. And so it will work for some people who have the right immune system. They will sort of absolutely fly by doing some fasting if they sort of don't eat till lunchtime and et cetera, and they'll, they'll do very well with that, particularly people with sort of inflammatory high cortisol sort of type of inflammatory process where they're broken the body down. They will love intermittent fasting, right? Um, other people with adrenal fatigue um, um, won't do well sort of skipping breakfast first in the morning. So they'll do better with a sort of paleo-type diet where they're, they're eating three times a day. They're having breakfast, lunch, and dinner. If you sort of try and sort of throw fasting into a sort of late-stage adrenal fatigue issue, they will hate you. I mean, they'll, 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 they'll want that breakfast first in the morning. Otherwise, they're going to start breaking their body down. You know, so right. um, these th- those are sort of, you know, protocols that we go through, you know, sort of pick the right diet for the right person, um, on, on depending on their gut health and their immune health to sort of fix that. Right. So it's our job to kind of intervene and just kind of get guide people down the right path because I think that we live in a society where, like, this makes people better. 
Well, it it does. But, like, if you are, you know, eating McDonald's twice a day and then having pizza for dinner, like, five nights a week, for sure you're going to get better on a keto diet or for sure you're going to get better on a paleo diet. But eventually it's not going to be the best thing for you and we need to figure out what the underlying cause is. Exactly. I mean, diet only takes you so far. With diet, you're taking away the inflammatory triggers. So you're doing really well. And and a lot of people do well just by changing their diet, like you said, taking out the inflammatory stuff, right, and putting in the anti-inflammatory foods or the foods that are not going to set off the immune system. Absolutely correct. But diet only takes you so far. You're only really solving 50% of the problem by diet alone, right? So you have to sort of go in there and repair the damage that has been done. Uh, by having a sort of lifestyle which is sort of torn down the gut wall, maybe caused an inflammatory immune system that you have to calm down as well. And so, yes, the diet just gives you a window of opportunity in about 14 days or, or a month to go back in there and put in the sort of three or four things that you need to put in to heal the gut, calm the immune system down, and calm the digestive system down, and then, and then after that, you can sort of, um, you know, do things in moderation and sort of bring some things back into the diet that you've taken out while you're going through that healing process. Yeah, fantastic. Um, cool. So I think I've uh, taken up a little bit uh, too much of your time. So let's uh, talk. Let's, I'm going to ask you a few questions. Um, one of them is what's your favorite book uh, personally and then also clinically? Oh, my word. Uh, I'm actually reading a really good book right now called The Inflamed Mind. Um, it's by a guy called Edward Walmore. Um, and, uh, he sort of goes into the history of sort of, uh, nervous system, history of the immune system, and sort of, you know, how in the past he used to think that the brain and the body were two separate systems. Um, and so now he's sort of talking about how an inflamed digestive system can actually inflame the brain. So it's a really good book called The Inflamed Mind about how pain in your knee can actually affect depression in your brain. So that's, that's a really good thing that I'm reading sort of uh, clinically and stuff like that, which is a really good clinical sort of book. Um, it's in, in, in inspirational wise, I love the book called The Peaceful Warrior. I read that when I was yeah. pretty young, and it was basically way of the peaceful warrior and about sort of ways to sort of um, to sort of implement a sort of uh, a lifestyle into into your life and sort of be peaceful as opposed to sort of running out there and be raging all the time. And so that sort of calmed down my sort of uh, adolescent youth, I would say, way back in the day. So um, those are two books I would uh, that I would say I like at the moment. Perfect. All right. Thank you for your time. Is there uh, where can people find you? So are you on Instagram, Facebook, uh, yeah, website? Yeah, yeah. Functional health systems. Functional health systems is the Facebook page. On there, you'll find all the list of courses we have coming up, and we also try and educate on the functional health pages as well. So, functional health systems page, Instagram, um, learn about what we're sort of teaching, uh, learn about some case studies that we put out there, and also learn from students who've already taken the course who ask us questions all the time. And, we, and it's not just not just learning on the course for that weekend. We actually sort of try and implement mentorships. Uh, and people are always asking questions all the time, even after the course that we answer. Uh, and so you'll find that on the Facebook page, Functional Health Systems. Anybody interested in and in, in a, doing a course, we're coming to your state, you know, in January. Uh, right. So we're coming to Arizona on, on January 19th, 20th, 20th at the, uh, the Functional Training Institute. Um, our host there is a lovely lady called Sky Robinson. She's, uh, she's taking care of us for the weekend, and she always has such great inspirational teachings, and uh, we've been lucky enough to be invited there. By her. Yeah, that's perfect. Really looking forward to that. All right, thank yeah. you so much for taking the time. I appreciate you. Thank you, sir.
Right. All right. We'll talk to you soon.